Hi, Mark Middleton with Bill Schaefer. This is Growing Bolder. In the next hour, have you ever felt like just quitting your job? I mean, jumping in a sailboat and heading out for adventure? We'll meet a couple that did exactly that and wrote a book about it called The Sail of Two Idiots. That ought to be pretty good. Plus, we'll find out what exercises work best as you age and which ones are better off avoided from a personal trainer who has seen it all. We're going to have an amazing interview, Mark, of a man who's faced cancer more than a half dozen times and he's about to run in his 255th triathlon. Is that the secret to his ability to recover? NBA executive and author of 70 books, Pat Williams, will talk about the power of setting goals, and it's a special surprise visitor from Detroit for the 93-year-old who put more than a half million miles on her 64 Merc. This is Growing Boulder. You know, folks, when you're young, you really don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about what things will be like when you're older. In fact, in many cases, you don't notice older people at all. Now, that's not a slam. It's just the way it is. But there is at least one major exception, a brilliant, passionate young man who is making us all look at people of age in an entirely different light. You know, he really is. And he was inspired by his own grandmother's unique style. He moved to New York with a camera in hand and he started taking pictures of fashionable people that he ran into over the age of 60. And since this is the Internet age, he started posting the photos in his blog, and little by little it began to get more and more popular. Now, four years later, he's working on a film. He's written for Vogue, Elle, Forbes, The New Yorker, The New York Times, The L.A. Times. Do you get the idea, folks? And his book, Advanced Style, is changing the image we have in our minds about what age is all about. So let's say hi to Ari Seth Cohen. Hey, Ari, how are you? Hey, Mark and Bill, how are you? Hey, we're fantastic. When and how did it first occur to you to start taking pictures of older people on the streets? Yeah, like you said, my grandmother was my best friend, and I grew up having a very positive image of getting older. But I noticed that my friends really didn't have a close relationship with their grandparents, and a lot of people ignored older older people. So I moved to New York about four years ago and saw these incredible, vital, active, um, well-dressed older men and women walking around, independent, happy. And I really wanted to kind of put them in the spotlight and show that just because you get older, you don't stop being creative. You don't stop dressing up. You don't stop living your life at a certain age. So it was just really um, developed over time, but really because of my own grandmother, like you said. You certainly live in a target-rich environment, if you will, the streets of New York City. Is that primarily or exclusively where you get your photographs, or do you now get them from all over? Yeah, actually, I just uh, got back from Switzerland and, and um, Italy as well. But um, generally, I, I I stay in my home base of New York and walk around all of the neighborhoods here because I like to have a lot of diversity on the blog. How did it work for you, Ari? Did Were you a photographer looking for a topic? No, actually, I had never taken pictures before, and I, I really just saw a lack of visibility of older people in media, in advertising, in fashion campaigns, and wanted to bring you know them more into this world. And I picked up a camera, I borrowed it from my roommate, it was a little camera, and started from there four years ago, and now I've really developed you know a sense of how to photograph people. But um, it was really more the subject matter and the stories that these people had to tell rather than only being focused on style. Mark, I love this guy. He's, he's, he's reading right out of our playbook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is exciting, folks. So we're going to talk to you a little bit about how to get his book, Advanced Style. But if you want to, you should check out his blog, uh, advancedstyle.blogspot.com, because it really is fun to look at. Uh, and we're guessing, Ari, that you started this pretty much to amuse yourself. At what point did you realize that, A, I'm filling a void, and, B, this is really a good idea? Well, yeah, I started it, you know, because it was my own passion, and I put it out there, and it, it pretty soon it started growing. People started emailing me, telling me that they were becoming, um, as they got older, they were feeling invisible in society. So I was really happy to see that they felt a little bit about getting older by seeing these women who were so vital and active and you know bold with their fashion choices. But 
almost a month after starting the blog, it was written up in um, the New York Magazine and kind of went from there. So the most important thing to me is the feedback I've gotten from women from age 20 to 100 who have said they're no longer afraid of getting older. In fact, many of them are looking forward to having the freedom that these women that I feature have. Do you get the opposite too, Ari? Do you get friends of yours that look at you and go, what are you hanging around with the older people for? Actually, it's funny, but all my friends are jealous. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a privilege to do what I do because I hear such amazing stories, so much insight from these people who have such great experiences. And, yeah, my friends, uh, definitely, I bring them, I incorporate, incorporate them into everything. So we have parties, we go to museums, and I always bring it. I like, to have, I like the idea of the collaboration and the interaction between older and younger people, and that's a lot of, of what I'm doing is trying to connect people of different generations together. You know, Ari, you mentioned that uh, you primarily photograph uh, women of, of age, but uh, yeah. you also photograph men. In fact, you had a photograph of one of our favorite people, a pal from here in Central Florida, a guy by the name of George Blair, Banana George. And uh, we love that photograph. I mean, you caught him in a yellow suit and a yellow fur coat. Uh, um, it's got to be fun. You never know what you're going to see, do you? Yeah, no, and, and I love photographing both men and women, but I also feel that women are judged so heavily on the way that they look, even more so than men at, as they get older. And I feel like there's a real need to reinforce the fact that just because women are getting older, that doesn't mean they stop being eloquent and beautiful and wise and wonderful. And so for me, also because I was closer to my grandmother than anyone else in the world, I, I, I focused primarily on women. But yeah, I see such incredible style. And more importantly, the spirit of the people who are wearing these wonderful clothes, you start you stop an older person and ask them about their coat, and they'll tell you the most marvelous story, and it's just such a great um, interaction that can occur. All right, you've made such a, a fascinating life for yourself. Uh, there's no roadmap to get to be what you are, and I'm trying to categorize you. Are you a photographer, yeah. a blogger, a documentary producer, a <laughs> cultural observer? What are you, Ari? Sometimes I, I don't even know myself, but... Um, I am having a lot of fun doing what I'm doing, and like you said, I just finished my book. I'm making a film, and as long as I can continue to work with older people in some capacity, even as a young child, my dream was to work at an old-age home and kind of developing activities, cultural awareness, and, and things like that. So, like you said, I, I think that I definitely enjoy photography and writing, but for me, it's more about storytelling and uh, the relationship I have with the people that I'm meeting and getting their getting their words and their um, experiences out there because you know if it if it doesn't happen now when will it happen All these people who are 70, 80, 1900 have so much wisdom and so much to share and I feel like it's uh, a privilege like I said that I can share it with other people. And it seems, Ari, that your camera is drawn to, you know, high fashion. I mean, legitimate high-end kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, is there a style that you like most uh, in, in the elderly? Um, yeah. What is I mean, that? Interestingly enough, many of the women that I shoot, are they don't spend a lot of money on clothing, but they're very good at what they do. I call it advanced style because they've advanced their style throughout the years, and they shop at thrift stores, they shop at consignment stores, they shop at vintage, and most of them shop within their own closets and recreate things that they've had for many years. I think that I'm drawn to extremes, whether it's extreme glamour or someone who is very classic. But definitely, if you look in my book, there's a woman on the street who no one might have noticed because she's just a, a, a an older woman who, you know, just happened to be dressed very lovely. And what I noticed about her was she was wearing a, a scarf neatly tied around her neck and gloves, and she really did put a little bit of thought into her presentation. So there's not one style that I'm drawn to, but I think I'm drawn to people who have a personal sense of style, not someone who just goes into a department store and is dressed. You know, they do it on their own. Well, so that's who you are interested in, and that's who you look for. Who's interested in you, Ari? Who's reading your blog? Do you have any idea what age the users are that you attract or what kind of people come and, and, and check you out? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have an international following, about uh, 50,000 views. Um, well, it's between ten and 30,000 a day. And I get emails from all over the world, women who are 14 who say, um, I can't wait to look like these ladies. And then someone who's 40 who is saying, 
I'm starting to feel old, but now I feel better about myself. But men read it. I think it's a very diverse group of people who comment to me. I have a Facebook page. It's advancedstyle.blogspot.com. It's a Facebook group. And so I get to interact with people there. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's all people from, you know, different age groups, which I think is so amazing that they can relate to these older women. And that's what I sought out to do. And that's what I feel good about what I'm doing and feel that I've accomplished something is to see that they're looking forward to being like these people. Well, you have really stumbled upon something which is really cool. Fashion, obviously, is global. And what we love about it more than anything else is, is you are not belittling older people like so many people try to do. I mean, you know, there's obviously a great deal of respect in, in what you do. And uh, I'm looking at your website now, and I see that you featured uh, Ruth Flowers, Mammy Rock, <laughs> at some point. We've done a story on her as well. And isn't it cool that there can be people now in their 70s that, that still have kind of a rocker edge to them in, in a way that's really, really Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, all these women have such incredible spirits. She's amazing. I know a woman named Ruth who's, um, you guys mentioned that you're talking about exercises. Well, she's 100 years old. She does Pilates once a week and lifts weights into stretches and yoga. It's really about staying active and keeping your spirit and your attitude, you know, positive. And that's what I've learned is the secret to growing old gracefully is the these women stay active and their minds stay active and they have a very positive outlook towards life. And finally, Ari, what do you hope the message is? What do you hope that people come and, and read your book or see your upcoming film or listen to your blogs? What do you hope the takeaway is? I hope that people fear aging less. I hope they, you know, we have such an obsession with youth culture, and um, especially in advertising, and then people tend to, you know, want to have so much plastic surgery and um, kind of, you know, look at these models who are 14 years old, and that's an impossible goal to have, to look like these people. So I hope people look at my website and see a sense of freedom, a sense of joy in getting older. And, you know, I hope it lets people know that there's hope. One of the women, one of the women is uh, 90 years old, and she says she's been happier from 80 to 90 than she's ever been before because she has this new sense of confidence. So I hope people look at them as examples and hopefully look forward more to getting older and not feeling so bad about themselves. And, folks, we urge you to take a look and see what all the talk is about. The website is advancedstyle.blogspot.com. We've been talking to uh, one of our favorite guests ever, I guess, if you want to say it like that, Ari Seth Cohen. Check him out. In a moment, a 93-year-old so interesting that Ford sent an executive halfway across the country just to meet her. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Located in West Orange County, Orlando Health's Health Central Hospital is a full-service hospital with an accredited chest pain center and heart failure program, as well as top-rated neurospine and orthopedic programs. Learn more at orlandohealth.com. And by... The Legacy Life Project from Macbeth Studio, preserving family history, stories, and memories for generations to come by creating personal video biographies of your loved ones. Everyone has a story worth preserving. LegacyLifeProject.com The following interview was recorded before the passing of our guest. This is Growing Boulder. Glad to have you on board. I'm Mark. That's Bill. And we want to bring you up to date on a story we've been covering, uh, well, for a couple of years now. It's about Rachel Veach, a 93-year-old, still driving the car she bought brand new back in 1964, a Mercury Comet Caliente. And in that time frame, she's put on every one of the over 570,000 miles. Now, that original story, Mark, did turn her into a national celebrity. She was featured at car shows, interviewed on NBC Nightly. News even was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And on GrowingBolder.com, Mark's story has over 11.5 million views. So when she called to say macular degeneration was forcing her to hang up the keys forever, we tipped off an executive from Ford who came all the way from Detroit to pay Rachel and her car chariot a special visit. Rachel Beach, Rachel, Rachel Beach, that's me. <laughs> well, these days, everybody knows Rachel Beach, a 93-year-old who knows how to take care of things. I take care of everything but husbands 
Over the last 48 years, she's had three husbands. Oh, my God, that was a nightmare. What came over you? But she's only had one car. This one. You don't put your fingers on the windows or touch anything. It's a 1964 Mercury Comet Caliente that she's put every one of over 500,000 miles on. Isn't she the most beautiful car on the highway? Growing bolder made her an international celebrity. When a story Mark Middleton did went viral on growingbolder.com, it's been watched over 11 and a half million times. Are you ever afraid, though? You're 89, no. you're a woman, you're alone, you're in a car that's got 500,000 miles on it. Uh, this is why you're not afraid. <laughs> but it was a bit of a shock when Rachel called Mark to say her driving days were over. Because of failing eyesight, she's decided to hang up the keys. Everyone says, oh, they're so, so sorry for me. I said, look, I don't have cancer. I don't have Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a living hell. I have one little spot that keeps me from driving, and I can accept that. Well wishes have been pouring in from all over the country. But the biggest news? A Ford executive, Scott Monty, came all the way from Detroit to visit. Rachel, it is so great to finally meet you. Well, it's nice meeting you. You came to our attention because of this great car and this great yes. video. Isn't she a doll? She is amazing. 1964, huh? Rachel was like a kid in a candy store. She couldn't wait to show the Ford executive everything. The original bill of sale. Power steering, automatic transmission, air conditioning, it still works. That's great. When we first heard about Rachel a few years ago, we thought, what an amazing story. I mean, it really just encapsulates the relationship that so many people have with their vehicles. It's an emotional connection. And we don't know many more people that have such a strong connection as Rachel and a connection for nearly half a century. That's really an amazing story. And he brought along a special gift. We wanted to do something to honor you and your time with Cherry, and it's just a little something. But we got you this album, and it's not just a photo album. It's actually got little buttons here where um, you can record messages. And we have one message recorded to you from Alan Mullally, our CEO. Hi, Rachel. It's Alan Mullally. We are so honored that you have been part of the Ford family for more than 48 years. Congratulations on reaching 576,000 miles, and thank you for sharing your journey with us. We love you. Rachel, Chariot, and Ford Rock. Oh, my gosh. But we at least wanted to make sure that you knew the CEO of Ford Motor Company was thinking of you. Well, how nice. Wow. (laughs) I never saw anything like that. (laughs) Astounding. But what about the car? Rachel's is concerned about its future as she is her own. Her hope is that Jay Leno might want it for his collection. After all, the two did hit it off when she was on The Tonight Show. The shift indicator. You can't find one? No. Mm. You know, I'll tell you something. I have some friends in the comic club, and I found the part that you needed. Oh, my God. The people at Ford have come up with a more probable and intriguing plan B. If for some reason Jay is not interested, we also thought that we could work with you and try and find uh, a vintage restorer who could put Rachel back in factory mint condition and then perhaps sell it to a collector who really appreciates it and who would be willing to showcase it. So we want to make sure Chariot ends up in somebody's hands that really cares about her. That won't be sold to some kid that takes that out to see if it'll go 120 again. Or even Mark. Let's see if we can get it up to that fast right now. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, gosh. (laughs) So now, thanks to Ford, Chariot is ensured a happy ending. And really, that's all Rachel's ever wanted. In the meantime, she plans to continue being the special guest at car shows all over the country, anywhere Chariot can be transported. As for Rachel, maybe the reason so many love this story is she gives us hope. She's proof that you never know what surprises life has in store for you, no matter how old you are. You're a 93-year-old celebrity. Yes, can you believe I had to live 90 years to have all this fun? (laughs) 
What a great attitude and really a nice gesture from Scott Monty, the Ford Motor Company executive who came all the way from Detroit to Florida to make Rachel feel important. Yeah, Bill, great story, great update. But but here's another one. You know, Rachel and Cherry have more than one suitor. In fact, apparently she's made a deal now with a couple of car show enthusiasts that she met up in Wisconsin. They own a car dealership, and they say that Chariot will go into their showroom right next to a life-sized cardboard cutout of Rachel, and you know she loves that, so that people can pose for photos right next to Chariot and Rachel, and uh, she's on board with that idea, at least today. ask you a question. Are you a goal setter? Well, that was a topic recently in our online discussion on our Growing Boulder Facebook page. And boy, the conversation really took off because some people believe setting a goal made a huge difference in their lives, and others found the process was tedious and really, Mark, felt like it set them up to fail. Yeah, obviously, Bill, I think a lot is in the execution, whatever works best for you. But if you had the chance to ask some of the greatest leaders of our lifetime, would their answers change your mind? Well, you're about to learn something very interesting about goal setting. Hi, I'm Pat Williams of the Orlando Magic and author of almost 70 books. I'm convinced as I study successful people that maybe the key to their success comes down to one principle. That is being very specific in goal setting. You see, a clear-cut definite goal is a powerful motivating force. It gives you something to shoot at. It gives you a reason for getting up in the morning. We need short-term goals in our lives. We need mid-range goals. Of course, we need long-term goals. In fact, The older you get, the longer range your goals need to be because when you stop setting long range goals, the dying process begins. So what's your goal? Are they written down? Are they reviewed constantly? Are they revised when necessary? Be a goal setter. It'll change your life. In a moment, a man who not only survived multiple bouts of cancer but has become a legend in the sport of triathlon along the way. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being. Coming soon in Winter Park. Wellness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location. Offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Check out Growing Boulder TV, airing on public television stations nationwide. Visit growingboulder.com slash TV for program listings and where to watch. This is Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton. And as always, Bill Schaefer is alongside. And Bill, our next guest, is one of those people you just can't put into a single category. He's one of those unforgettable types that really makes you stop and appreciate all the good things in our life because he's had to battle through an awful lot of bad. Boy, I tell you what, Mark, you got that right. He is a cancer survivor, fought hard to get through it. And when he thought it was behind him, it came back again and again And again, he had to battle cancer more than a half a dozen times. Something like that could make you afraid to go out the door. But not this guy. He started running farther and harder. And he still runs to this day. Now in his 70s, he's about to run another triathlon. And that'll bring his total up to 255, we think. We're very proud to introduce you to Tony Handler. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hi, guys. How you doing? Is that number accurate? Is it 255? And who's keeping track, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one's that one's good. No, I do keep track of that because it's <laughs> sort of fun. Because I one of my goals is to get to three hundred, so I've got to keep track of them so I make sure I hit one of my goals. Yeah, forty-five more to go for me. That would take about uh, sixty more years, but for you, that's just a few months away, isn't it? <laughs> well, I wish I were true, but, but I'd say at least a few years. But uh, we're gonna make that one. We're gonna make that one. Hey. But we do need to upgrade you on another number that you mentioned. That was the the number of cancer battles. It's now up to eight. Uh, It's eight different sessions of cancer with six different types of cancer because I've had melanoma three times. So I've got to count that as the three, I guess. So uh, um, that gets us to eight. And how many surgeries involved in battling those eight cancers? Well, there's about uh, 14 involved with that. So, So, Tony, what, honestly, I mean, I don't mean to diminish anything, but what keeps you from pounding your fist on the table and saying, why me? 
Oh yeah, I've gotten I've gotten way past that point. That that just does, does no good. I guess it was even after the first one that I made up my mind that that didn't do any good. That the only thing that really makes any sense is to figure out okay that that's that's here. Nothing can do about that. Now what do you do about it for the rest of your life? And, and that's when I decided I got to go fight this thing with with all my exercise, and that's what got me into triathlons. And so uh, I just I just found that it doesn't do any good to say why me anymore. You know. Just take it as it comes and do what you can do. And Are you to the point, Tony, where you just don't ever want to go to the doctor? I mean, the news is never good. Well, yeah, it gets a little scary. As a matter of fact, we, we sort of joke about it. One of my sons calls me all the time, and he says, okay, what's the cancer of the week? Hmm. You know, and and it uh, it's uh, not exactly funny sometimes, but it's it's unfortunately the, the truth. No, I mean, if you, if you can't make fun of it, make light of it, uh, you know, when you've had cancer as many times as you have, it, it would have beaten you by now. But, you know, Tony, I know you realize, because we've seen you run. We've seen the, the, the crowd that, that, that is attracted to you. You are an incredible role model. Unfortunately, cancer has not gone away. Uh, people are diagnosed with it all the time. There's probably not a family in America that's not been touched by this. And when oh, people first get the diagnosis, you know, they're devastated, but they need to know more than any anything else, almost as much as how they're going to treat it, they need to know that there is an outcome that they can live with, and you are, are the living example of that. Yeah, I guess I guess I've been very fortunate with all my situations that that I've caught them all. They've caught them all very early. They're all in early stages, so uh, there's only one of them that I need chemotherapy for, and that I still get because I still have tumors in my liver, and I get a um, I get a monthly chemo shot at the Moffitt Cancer Center. So and that's been going on for the last eleven years. But that's the only one that, that I've needed treatment for. The others have been just all surgeries that have been able to take care of them because they've been early stages. So I've been very fortunate that way, in that uh, I didn't have to go through a lot of the usual chemotherapy type stuff. Just the one that I get now, that monthly injection. So and that one's not too terrible. That uh, get a sore butt because it's a big needle they stick in my butt every month. That lasts for a few days, but then uh, then I'm good to go again. So uh, till the next month. So it, uh, it's, I've been fortunate that way. That uh, and I think that's key. I think the key to this whole thing is the early detection of this stuff. And and that's a message I hope that people take away is that uh, hey, you got to get screened if there's any kind of suspicious stuff anywhere. Go get checked and catch it early. And they can do it so much these days when they get it early. Tony, it's a foregone question to ask a guy who's run 255 triathlons how important that is to him. But but who who are you competing with when, when you run in those, and why do you keep going back to that? Well, believe it or not, I got this crazy game I play in my head that uh, that says I really only have one competitor. Because I've gotten past the point of being a serious uh competitor because of this well this monthly shot that i get every month it's it's not that stuff is not exactly energy medicine you know so it it does sort of take away the the energy i used to have and i can't run or bike or swim as fast as i used to so now my my one competitor uh it's this crazy head game i play with myself and and i compete against what i call mr c and that's mr cancer and um and i sort of feel like every race that i do as long as i get to the finish line I've beat him one more time. So oh. in my mind, I've beat him 255 <laughs> times and uh, and hope to get it up to 300 at least and uh, and keep this record going, you know. Folks, this that's, is... that's my competition as Mr. C. And if I can beat a few people, that's fine, too. <laughs> we do that occasionally, so I sort of feel good about that, especially well, in some of the local triathlons because in some of the local ones, I'm usually the only one in my age group, so uh, there's not too many people still doing it this age, so... Um, and the smaller ones, um, a lot of times I'm the oldest one, and therefore the uh, the only one in that age group. And, and ever I, I win, you know, occasional local ones. Well, you beat a few, and you inspire many, folks. This is 73 year old Tony Handler who uh, uh, it wins triathlons all over the country at the age of 73. But his real story is he's a guy who's been diagnosed with cancer eight times. He's had 14 different surgeries, and he just continues to give in and continues to battle. And uh, Tony, how long do you think you will continue to run when you get to 300 and reach your goal? Will that be it? Will you move on to the uh, golf course? No, I hope. I've got that as a number that's set out there, but uh, if I can if I can get up to 400, I'd sort of love to do that. I just plan on doing this stuff until I just the body just doesn't cooperate anymore, and hopefully that'll be a long time from now. But uh, you just never know, so I'll just keep at it, and as long as his body wants to do it, I'll I want to do it. So uh, 
we'll see what happens. I got a uh, half an Ironman coming up this Sunday. I could do the half Ironman in Haines City, Florida. That should be fun. Wow. You know, a lot of folks may not realize, Bill, that Tony Handler was the first ever recipient of the Growing Boulder Inspiration Award. We've given a few more since then, but Tony, I'm guessing that uh, that's got to be one of your most prestigious awards ever, huh? Oh, absolutely. I, I was <laughs> thrilled to get that, and and I appreciate uh, you guys even thinking of me as a, a candidate for that one. Hey, hey Tony. That was, that was neat. In, in our last thirty seconds or so, there are so many people that have that hear that diagnosis from a doctor these days that you do have cancer. When you were first told that, they they gave you a death sentence, didn't they? I mean, yeah, yeah. They, I was told I had two years to live. So, and that was uh, that was twenty nine years ago. So, so it, uh, it, it's not just the running; it's it's the fact that you were given this diagnosis, and you know it, it will come true for some, but you don't have to believe it, and you don't have to stop your life. No, and that's what I pretty much try and tell everybody. I've been asked to speak at quite a few different things, like relays, cancer relays for life and that kind of stuff. And, and the message I try and give out to people is don't ever give up. Uh, and hopefully my example is a good one where they tell you you've got two years to live, and that was, again, 29 years ago. So just don't ever give up and believe that you, uh, you can get through this stuff, and uh, hopefully you will. Some words of wisdom from a man who knows just a little too much about overcoming obstacles in life playing the cards you're dealt, and getting the most out of the life that we have. Great conversation with Mr. Tony Handler. Tony, keep running, keep racing, and keep beating Mr. Cancer. We're all in your corner. Coming up, advice from a personal trainer on what works best if you want to get back in shape after a very long time. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Masson Spine Institute, where world-renowned minimally invasive techniques lead to fast recovery. The Masson Spine Institute, excellence in spinal surgery. More information at MassonSI.com. Growing Boulder is on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to connect with the most inspiring people online. Surround yourself with the motivation needed to live large at any age. I'm Mark Middleton with Bill Schaefer, and you are listening to Growing Boulder. You know, we talk a lot about diet and exercise on this program because they're pretty much guaranteed to help you start feeling better almost immediately. And, of course, feeling better can change your entire outlook on what's possible in your life. Yeah, and in addition to your outlook, exercise does so much more. It's one of the keys in avoiding a number of ailments and diseases, not the least of which is osteoporosis. Do you have any idea how common that is? Something like one in five women, Mark, over the age of 50 have it, and there really aren't any symptoms until you do. So what do you do about it? Well, to start, you can check with a health educator and personal trainer at Florida Hospital, (laughs) like we always do. Let's bring on Alexis Sarah and and talk a little bit about that. Hi, Alexis. Hi, Mark. Hi, Bill. Hey, are, are we exaggerating the incidence and the seriousness of osteoporosis? Not at all, and the um, importance of that is that it's really a silent disease in the beginning so that uh, there are no symptoms um, to start with. So it's important to get checked with your doctor to have a bone density scan. And, and the bone density scan would, would equate to the, you know, the early diagnosis because whenever we talk to healthcare professionals, they always say that is the key to treatment is to catch it early. Will the bone density scan catch it? Yes, it will. Uh, it will provide you with um, a T-score, which explains exactly where you are in your bone density and uh, whether you need attention to your bone density. And 20% of women over 50 uh, having this? I mean, is there something we're doing wrong in today's society, or are people just living longer, or are we not doing something we used to do? Well, I think all of that is true. Um, We are living longer, which is a good thing, Um, but um, a lot of attention is being paid nowadays to the nutrition of our younger people as they grow and not getting uh, the appropriate amount of calcium, which is important for bone density, so that is one aspect of it, yes. We're speaking with Alexis Sayre, who is a health educator at, at Florida Hospital. And Alexis, you mentioned that we need to get bone density scans. At what point? How old are we when we get our first one, and how often do we need to get uh, subsequent ones? Uh, well, it is recommended that your first baseline 
scan uh, should be done at age 50 for women. Um, and uh, that's very true for most people. I would uh, stay with, in close contact with your doctor if you have a family history or if you have any other risk factors. It uh, may be indicated that an earlier scan might be necessary. You know, we talked, Alexis, about exercise and how important that is. Is that kind of a catch-22, or are, are people that, that may be predisposed to this afraid to exercise for fear that they may hurt themselves? Absolutely true. Um, and there is exercise um, that's possible for anyone, uh, any age, and any condition. It just has to be appropriate. Um, so the most important thing is to have that bone density scan to um, get the report, the T-scores, from your physician. And uh, that way you have something to present to a health educator or to a physical therapist or to a trainer or to a physician um, so that you have some idea of where to start, where you can begin, and where you can progress to. You know, we've read a lot about the fact that uh, beyond a certain age, we all lose X percent of muscle mass, of bone density. And, and now we're starting to get back some results of studies with very active populations, the kind of activity that most people did not do decades ago, masters, athletes, and such. And, and, and is it true that we're learning that with the right kind of exercise, with lifting weights, uh, for instance, that uh, you can actually not only slow down, but in many cases reverse this loss of, of, of bone density? and muscle mass? Absolutely. It's not so much a function of age, it's a function of lack of use. So not only strength, but also flexibility, also uh, cardiovascular health. We can maintain um, our levels or even improve our levels of health and fitness in those areas just by uh, continuing to work in those areas. And that's one of the most dangerous mis pieces of misinformation that's out there. I think a lot of people believe that, uh, you know, their health problems are not because they're sedentary. It's just because they're older. That's correct. Um, and I think as we get older, as we experience the effects of arthritis, maybe some limitations from an injury or so on, um, we automatically want, want to stop. We want to protect ourselves. But uh, one of the best ways to protect ourselves is to, uh, with knowledge and with support, to continue to exercise. So people start saying to themselves, all right, I, I hear what Alexis is saying, and she's right. I've got to exercise again. But our frame of reference goes back to the exercise we did when we were 20 years old. How is exercising different over 50 than it is when you're younger? If you think about it, our population over the age of 50, and that includes myself, there is more variety in that group of people than there is in any other age group. You have people who... Um, uh, have serious injuries or illnesses, and you have master athletes. And it's very important to address your individual status, um, your individual position, taking everything into account um, and, and, and bringing all of that together to develop your own appropriate uh, wellness and fitness plan. Well, there's no question that this is the age of exercise. And, you know, one of the things we really like about Florida Hospital, Alexis, is that Florida Hospital seems to really be at the forefront in this transition of many healthcare care organizations from organizations that simply take care of you when you are sick to trying to keep you healthy. I mean, it's you know, health care has become about wellness now, and that's really a great thing. Very, very true. It's a network of fitness centers and uh, health assessments and retail pharmacies and even day spas. And we're all working for everyone's health, um, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Are you worried about putting yourself out of business by getting everybody so healthy they don't need uh, the services of Florida Hospital? Well, I think we can always do better. We can always do just a little bit more in every area. And obviously, no one's perfect. So we're all working toward that, myself included. And I'm sure every person you meet, Alexis, comes ready-made with a set of excuses why exercise doesn't work for them, my knee, my back, I, my sure. condition, or whatever. Is exercise the answer for everybody? As I said, I think um, there's always something that a person can do. Even if they're bedridden, there are exercises um, that you can accomplish um, to, to improve your physical, mental, and emotional and spiritual health. So um, I think um, getting with the right professional, um, getting the right information can be so helpful just to know that 
everything is possible for you. There's always something you can do. And, and you know, well, we talk a lot about health care reform, and without getting political at all, we like to say that health care reform starts at home. And no matter what you like or don't like, I think we can all agree that uh, there's a personal responsibility to get off the couch and get active. And if we all did that, the cost of health care nationally would go way down. Well, we say here at Florida Hospital, the first thing you need to do is make a choice. You can choose to sit on the couch and see your health disintegrate, your life disintegrate, or you can choose to get up and to move around. Uh, You can choose to be healthy with your diet. You can choose to see your diet go the other way. So it's all about making that choice. And wherever you are, folks, you can take another step further and another step further because it benefits you in the end. She is a health educator and personal trainer at Florida Hospital. Great information from Alexis Sayre. Coming up, they said goodbye to their old life, jumped in a sailboat, and set off on an adventure they call the Sail of Two Idiots. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the UCF College of Medicine, where physicians, scientists, and teachers are discovering innovative solutions for today's medical challenges and bringing them to you. Learn more about the college's physician practice at ucfhealth.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble to neglect. Hey, this is Growing Bolder. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. And one of the things we talk a lot about is following your passion, not being afraid to make the changes necessary to go after it, even if it involves starting a new hobby, a new business, or even a whole new way of life. But you know what? It's a lot easier to say than it is to do because actually doing it can be terrifying. And many people don't even try, but our next guest did, and boy, did she do it in a big way. Imagine, folks, making up your mind that uh, you've just had enough, that you're going to do it. For her, it was dropping out of the rat race and dropping anchor somewhere else. That's right. She and her husband always dreamed of setting sail, and they were determined to do that. And even though neither one of them had any idea how. Now their book is flying off the shelves. It's called A Sail of Two Idiots, 100 (laughs) Hard-Won Lessons from a Non-Sailor Who Sailed Safely to a New Life in the Caribbean. Let's find out how it all happened as we welcome Renee Petrillo. Hey, Renee, how are you? Good. How are you? Well, I'm doing great, but I got to wonder what you were thinking when this whole thing started, because there are a lot of ways to change your life. What is it that makes a person even consider buying a boat and then living on it? Well, I know in our case, we weren't even, our dream wasn't so much to sail, but it was to get to a a warm island. And I couldn't think of a better way to do it. So the the sailing part of it kind of popped up. So in in our case, the the dream was the Caribbean and the the boat was the means to an end. Um, Yeah, I think think the the, the trick to is taking baby steps. You know, you you, you come up with your main dream and then you just figure out the baby steps it takes to get there. And and I think you can overthink things. Well, I know. And you can also underthink things like jumping in a (laughs) sailboat when you're not sure what you're doing. So kind of tell us. How did how did this come about? Let us know a little bit about who Renee really is. What were you doing before this idea began to germinate in your mind? What was wrong with the life you were living? You know, I had the life that most people want. I mean, I had I had a house. I had a very good job. My husband and I have been married for quite a number of years. But, I, you know, for me, when I was younger and people used to ask what I wanted to do, I pictured myself traveling. You know, I, I was going to be unencumbered. I was going to be traveling. I didn't see myself with a family and all that. And all of a sudden, I kind of looked around in my 30s and thought, how in the world did I get here? I, I got what everybody wanted, but it wasn't what I wanted. And I don't know. I just kind of got I, – I, I felt like it was time to, to wake myself up. And I asked my husband if he was feeling asleep, too. And, of course, his answer was no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I realized this was my thing. But I, I started looking into, you know, again, what, what can I do to feel like I'm, I'm getting something a little bit more out of my life? And, I, I, again, I started thinking, well, the weather was my number one priority. I wasn't really liking the weather. And I thought, let me, 
you know, what's the best way of doing what we want to do? And the boat kind of popped up, and then Michael got interested in that, thinking, well, this could be kind of a fun adventure. And then it, it became more about the adventure. And, you know, the plan had been to take lessons on our own boat, you know, buy our boat, take lessons on it. We were going to take lessons with the Coast Guard for engine repair. We were going to take first aid, you know, uh, lessons. And, you know, I think that the book is more more about our naivety cruising than it was our inexperienced sailing because they really are two different things. You know, I think the reason why the book is intriguing so many people is because we, we've all sat on beaches looking at sailboats pull up, drop anchor, and, you know, run in with their dinghies with their rum drinks and wondering what that was like. And I think that the book really gives you a, a great idea of what living on a boat 24-7 is truly, truly like, because I don't think there are too many books out there that give you the real story. So what is the takeaway from this book, Renee? I mean, what's the desired effect? Are you trying to empower people to to make their own decisions about how to change their life? Uh, are, are you sharing regrets? What is it? No, I think it's 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 definitely about don't don't allow yourself to get into ruts. I don't think that you have to necessarily sell everything you own and buy a boat, but I think that you have to be aware of the fact that, you know, routines are, are, are nice from a sense of contentment and, and something, I don't know, there's something to be said for that. But I also think that there comes a point where you, you're almost dead before you're dead. And I, I think that you, sometimes you need to, I mean, I shake things up in the morning where, I, I mean, even sometimes I just change my, instead of putting my shorts on first, I put my shirt on first and it throws me off for the rest of the day because it's something I don't normally do. And I just think I, sometimes you have to wake yourself up. And I think that, you know, even though we had a lot of things go against us in the beginning, we could have quit and we could have decided that it was something, oh, never mind, it wasn't something for us. And, and even when we had all those close calls in the beginning because of our inexperience, you know, we didn't quit. You know, we just kept stepping back and going, okay, what did we learn from this? And we just kept moving forward. And in the end, we had one of the best experiences we ever could have. And I think if everybody takes note of that and says, you know what, what is it that I want to do? You know, and start, if you have to start putting away $5 a day to make it happen, or if you have to take certain classes or whatever it is, I think that you'll find, you know, that, that in the long run, you'll be very happy that you did it. So, so, Renee, you guys were sort of sort of unhappy with your lives, and you, and you wanted to make a change. You know, I'm no Dr. Phil, but, but I'm thinking the last advice anybody would give you is get on a sailboat, just the two of you, and set off, just the two of you, and go cruise somewhere in a very small, confined area, just the two of you. <laughs> it wasn't that small. I, re- I highly recommend a catamaran. <laughs> but I do, I do think, though, that if it's something that you want to do, if you can, you know, there wasn't a lot to, we didn't understand how to prepare the boat properly, and I think that it wasn't so much our lack of sailing experience as it was the fact that we were so unprepared for what that lifestyle is like. And I think there's so many other things that are like that, too. You know, we've read about people who wanted to do African safaris, and then they get there, and they're surprised when the animals are eating each other in front of them. You know, I, I think there's a certain <laughs> amount of, of research that everybody should do about their dreams and then make sure that it's exactly or, or what you think it is, and then prepare properly so that when, you, when you're in it, you know, that, that it's exactly what you thought it was. And, of course, you never really know for sure where these adventures are going to lead. And there's a famous quote, something to the effect that, uh, you know, you've got to lose sight of shore in order in order to discover new lands. What have you discovered uh, about yourself, about your relationship, about life in general? I think one of the other things that I, I was missing was the fact that I had lost a little bit of confidence in myself, and I think I didn't trust myself any longer. You know, you don't hear You start ignoring your inner voice. And once you're on a boat and you're, you're being tested over and over again, whether it's your relationship or whether it's the weather or whatever, I think I was really surprised at how every time something went wrong, it truly was because I ignored my inner voice. You know, it really was very strong. I heard it, you know, and then there were times I just ignored it. And every time I did that, that's when something wrong happened. And I think I've, you know, going forward after we've sold the boat in the last couple of years, I've clung to that. You know, I, I feel like... I'm really pleased to know that deep inside there's something guiding me in the right direction. And if you listen to that, I think that you you really can't go wrong. And it was something that was very valuable to me. And and something else I took away from the book, I mean, you call yourselves idiots, but I I think the lesson is it's okay to be that because that adds to the journey, and the journey is better than the destination. Yeah, there was so much that was unexpected. However, that was the best part of it. Well, there you go. It's a great lesson learned. You know, Renee, I I don't know if you set out to be a best-selling author, but you certainly have uh, hit a nerve in everybody's life because we all want to imagine what it would be like to make that change. And maybe, maybe what you guys did will help spark 
somebody who's been thinking about making a big change to take that step up and do something step by step. As she says, don't just dive in, but uh, look into what your dreams are and find a way to make it possible. It's amazing. Their website also is a sale of two idiots.com. All kinds of easy to digest wisdom, humor, and inspiration. The book, A Sale of Two Idiots. Thanks so much to Renee Patrio for a pretty enlightening interview. Boy, folks, we humbly submit that this has been another great show because how many programs are there out there that offer hope and inspiration for? everyone. Proof that it's possible to overcome serious obstacles to do what you want to do, to become who you want to be, to live a life that's full of adventure, excitement, and reward. That is our mission. Nothing short of that here on Growing Boulder. We believe that every guest you hear brings with them some sort of takeaway that we can all benefit from. And as bold as we like to believe we are, most of us just need a little reassurance that great things are possible if only we try. And next week and every week, you're going to hear from more celebrities, more experts, and people out there with great stories to tell. People who might even convince you not just to dream mm. again, but not to be afraid to make those dreams come true. Keep an eye out for the Growing Boulder TV show now on public television stations across the country. Find out where it airs near you at growingbolder.com. Isn't it time you started Growing Boulder? Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting, all rights reserved. This program was recorded live at the studios of WMFE Orlando. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Jackie Carlin, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producer is Katie Widrick. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Remember, when it comes to growing bolder, it's not about age, it's about attitude. Stand.